I'm AJ Bianco from Podcast PD, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like this show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual host. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast, the show where educators can come find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. Leaders of Learning, welcome back for another episode of the show, episode 41 of the Leader of Learning podcast. And I do apologize for the lengthy hiatus that I've taken with this show at this point. It's been roughly a month or a little over a month since our episode 40 came out. And I really just wanted to start the episode by explaining that, you know, sometimes life gets in the way, right? And as an educator, as an educational leader, it's okay sometimes to reflect on and understand that sometimes you need to prioritize your tasks and your life uh, in order to really get everything in line. So for me, without getting into all the details, uh, and I'll make a long story short, life really got tough there for uh, a good couple of months. And you know, this podcast is something that I want to continue with regardless of how difficult life is and how many things are on my plate. But in reality, I just needed to take a few weeks off and regroup and refocus on some other aspects of my life and my career. But we're back at it this week, and this episode is an exciting topic, and I was really fortunate for my guest, Alyssa Gallagher, to have reached out to me, and and it took us a little while to get a time together where we could record an interview, but the topic is very intriguing. Design thinking for leadership. Design thinking, and I admitted to Alyssa during the interview, is something that is still a term that is not necessarily one that's fresh in a lot of people's minds. I think it's still being rolled out in schools on an instructional level, but when it comes to leadership, that was something I was really eager to learn about how to use design thinking to go about solving problems in schools and in school districts and how to use it in the school improvement process. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this interview I did with Alyssa. And so you, regardless of your role in education, you as a leader can understand how to use design thinking to solve issues and drive change in your schools. Without further ado... Here is the interview. I'm really excited to bring on my guest for this episode, Alyssa Gallagher, here to talk about design thinking and how it applies to leadership. And And I'm eager to learn about that as a new administrator, especially someone who has considered myself a leader for a long time, but is now in a quote unquote leadership position with a title. Um, speaking of titles, Alyssa, if you could, before we get into our conversation, just tell the listeners who you are, where you are and what you do. Sure. Thanks, Dan. Um, so as Dan said, my name is Alyssa Gallagher, and right now I am working as an author and educational consultant. Um, I spend most of my time working with educational leaders, both um, site leaders and district leaders, really helping them sort of push the envelope of what's possible in education, really using design thinking as a problem-solving strategy. So would you say then you are a consultant? Is that what your role is at this point? 
Yeah, a consultant. Although that word, I feel like that's such a weighted word. What I do is I help leaders solve problems and really am interested in empowering leadership teams um, to sort of own the process and be able to implement it and really, you know, run with it and solve their own problems. So the reason that I hesitate a little on consultant is because a lot of times I think districts will hire a consultant to come in and solve a problem for them. Whereas what I really try to do is teach a process and empower people to really understand the habits and mindsets of designers and design thinking that they then can imply, you know, apply to a variety of problems. I really loved your answer there. And actually, I just saw, I think it was a tweet that went out on Twitter today that that shared something similar to what you just said as far as um, that schools and school districts a lot of time pour a lot of resources into uh, improving teacher practices, but maybe not enough to improve leadership practices. I'm wondering if you would agree or disagree with that. You know, I actually, I think that's a pretty fair uh, statement. When I think back on my educational career, I had a pretty traditional career. I started as a classroom teacher. First grade was the first, you know, my introduction to teaching. Um, And then I, you know, after teaching for several years, I was an assistant principal. I was a principal. I was a director of innovative learning and then ultimately an assistant superintendent of schools in the Bay Area. Um, And when I think back on my career, you know, there wasn't a lot of professional development or learning opportunities that were afforded to me specifically as a leader. Certainly, I always participated in all of the teacher uh, professional development and, you know, focused on being an instructional leader, but there wasn't a ton provided without me having to seek it out myself. Um, And so, you know, as I take that kind of perspective in my work now, what I really try to provide are the resources and supports that teams need to really support leaders. And that can be leaders at all levels, because I do believe, um, you know, that teachers are a part of this process too, and that the real power comes from an administrative team when, you know, the principal, the assistant principals, the superintendents, and the teachers are really working together in a problem-solving process. I love that. And I don't know whether this is because I've found myself in, uh, at different times in my career, roles such as literacy coach and instructional coach. I like to think of you as a as a coach, a leadership coach or whatever you want to consider it. But um, to me, that's that's part of what coaching is all about. So let, let's delve into this design thinking piece now. I have actually up in front of me a, a definition. And the reason I have up in front of me a definition of design thinking is because I want to be fully transparent. And I'm, I'm guessing that there are listeners right now who are listening to this in the same boat. I've heard the term but I'm not super familiar with it. So I'm going to throw out the uh, the definition that's in front of me and you could agree with it, disagree with it, break it apart. I don't care what you do with it, but here here goes. Okay. When, when it says, what is design thinking? It says, and I'm reading from the Interaction Design Foundation, I think is the organization who this, um, this definition is coming from. All right, here's what it says. Design thinking is an iterative process in which we seek to understand the user challenge assumptions, and redefine problems in an attempt to identify alternative strategies and solutions that might not be instantly apparent with our initial level of understanding. Is that accurate? Not bad. Yeah. I mean, I would say that, you know, sometimes it's hard to unpack what design thinking is. Um, That's a pretty good comprehensive definition of, you know, the problem-solving process of design thinking. Mm -hmm. I think first and foremost, what's really 
important about design thinking and what differentiates it from any other problem solving process is the fact that it's really grounded in empathy. And so it starts with people and it ends with people, right? There's, there's no um, top-down mandated ideas or solutions. It really, everything that you do is grounded in who are we solving the problem for, really making sure that you have clarity around the problem. You know, in education, I think so many of us go into education because we just want to serve by nature. We want to fix problems. Like we are action oriented. And so a lot of times we're really quick to just jump on what we think the problem is and what we think the solution is. Um, And we were really quick to try to implement design thinking sort of forces you to suspend some of that and really linger with the problem a little bit. You know, we like to say that in design thinking, we want you to actually fall in love with the problem and really try to understand it from the user's perspective. So if you think about that in education, it gets complicated because we have a lot of users, right? I mean, first and foremost, I would say our end user is our students, but then you can also see depending on the problem you're tackling, teachers might be who you're solving a problem for or parents or the community. So it's really about getting clear in who are your users and grounding everything you do in empathy. So, okay, let me, let me back up for a second, make sure I'm clear on this. And, and so again, any listeners uh, who may still be unsure when you say it's about the people and you throw out words like empathy, are we talking about like the why behind what the problem slash solution is before we do anything, like really understanding who it is that's going to be impacted? Yes. It's starting with the why, because so often we're really quick to jump to the what and the how without really understanding, um, you know, the users. And I think what makes it especially tricky in education is we're all experts. Like everybody considers themselves as an expert in education, because if you think about it, we're probably the only field where our internship started at the age of five, right? So like all of that experience and that, whether it was a successful experience or a negative experience, we bring all of that with us. And so that makes it so much harder because education then becomes layered with traditions and habits and mindsets that are also ingrained, it creates an an immunity to change. And so the empathy piece really causes you to say, this is no longer about me and the solution that I think students need. This is about truly understanding what is the experience of a student, and I'm just making this up, you know, what is the experience of a student in my seventh grade social studies class? Do I truly understand their experience, their needs? And if so, then now I can design around that. Let me pick apart a little piece of what you just said. You you basically, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but what you just said was it's not about what one individual person or even a couple of people think is best. It's really involving um, everyone, I guess, to first identify who is being impacted and then the what and the how behind it. So how do educators do that then when it's not just them saying, I think this is for the best and let's move forward with it? How do they, do they bring people on board, um, bring in people like you to help out? What, what's the best like course of action for someone to take? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm going to give you just a couple of ideas to ground yourself in empathy. You can find a wealth of ideas at my website, which is www.leadlikeadesigner.com. Um, but it's really, there's a couple of ways. So we always recommend um, starting with observation, right? So a really easy way to ground yourself in empathy for experience of somebody else is just to observe. Um, I don't know, have you heard of Shadow a Student? Yeah, actually, um I love that idea. Uh, I've always to be I'm going to be totally honest, I've always been a little hesitant to do okay. that. I I don't exactly know why. I think it is partly my uh not empathy, it's not the right word. I guess my protection of the teachers. Yeah. I don't I feel like it's making them uncomfortable, but I do like the idea uh, if for nothing else than just to really experience a school day as if I were a student. Yeah, you know, that's a great place to start. And I appreciate you calling out the sensitivity around that. If you go to School Retool, they offer some suggestions on how do you set up your shadowing experience. Um, but what I find is that that alone is one of the most powerful ways to get teachers, administrators really grounded in the experience and the day-to-day -day of what's happening. You know, when I think back several years ago, I shadowed, I happened to shadow a student in junior high, and it was a very traditional um, seven period school day. And I will tell you that, you know, come period three or four, I, as the adult was having a really hard time sort of sustaining the energy and the momentum, um, that was required for the day. So even just experiencing it from that perspective, shed a lot of light on what students go through on a day-to-day -day perspective that I think sometimes gets lost. Now I will say as an administrator, I always encourage people to take it one step further and actually shadow a teacher for a day. Because I like to joke that, you know, and, and teachers tease me when I left the, the classroom and moved into administration, like you hear like, oh, you've moved into the dark side. And I think that can be so easy um, for us to forget what it's like to, you know, have every second of your day dictated by the bells. And so it's just really a way of saying, hey, I see you. I hear you and I see what your day to day is like before jumping and wanting to give people like, oh, here's what I think you need as a solution to your problem. Yeah. Okay. So it's not about here's what I think you need. It's more about here's what I see that you need. The Leader of Learning podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network, podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. The Leader of Learning podcast is also a proud member of Voice Ed Radio, changing the way you talk about education. To listen to more great education content, please visit voiceed.ca. Okay, so we've, um, we've approached this now from an empathetic uh, perspective. We've observed, we've put ourselves in the place of uh, students or anyone um, who we are looking to solve a problem around, then what? Yeah, that's a great question. So design thinking, there's, you know, there's a lot of different variations of the process, but the most common process um, that has been made sort of popular is through Stanford D School and IDEO. And it's a five, there's five phases in the process. So you always start with empathize and really ground yourself there. 
then you move into getting clarity around. So what is the problem that I'm actually solving? A lot of times what will happen is design teams will say, you know, this is the problem we think we're solving for. But then when they really dig deeper and they go into the empathy mode, they realize that the problem is a lot more nuanced than they originally thought. So you spend some time defining your problem. Once you have a good sort of how might we, you know, how might we solve for whatever your problem is, this is where it gets really fun. You move into sort of the creative mode of ideation where you really play with ideas and you try to get really expansive in your thinking um, and go for really wild and crazy ideas. This, I will tell you, is really hard for educators. We're so used to working with limited, you know, with all of our constraints, limited resources, limited time, whatever, that we have a lot of yeah buts in education. And so in this ideation phase, we really work to get people to see possibilities and, and opportunities instead of constraints. Sort of, we like to say, you know, play with crazy ideas because some really good ideas might be hiding in the crazy. Um, so you move into, you know, this generative, creative space of coming up with ideas. And then we, we help teams, you know, narrow in on um, a few good ideas. So you may come up with hundreds of ideas. Not all of them are plausible or at least on the immediate horizon. So then we work to narrow we sort of there's a, a divergent thinking phase. And then we really work to converge the ideas and come up with what are some ideas that are really plausible to solve the needs of the, the user. Um, and so we move into prototyping. And prototyping sometimes gets a bad rap. If you've ever, a lot of times people will get an intro to design thinking and they'll do sort of like a 90 minute design sprint, which is great for getting an overview of the process. But then when you're getting ready to prototype, you'll sort of be, you know, faced with a table of um, pipe cleaners and art supplies. And it's hard to make the leap of how am I going to create something to solve my problem? And so, you know, really when you're working to solve a problem, prototyping just says, how do I take this idea that I have in my head and make it into something tangible? So we start getting tangible ideas in front of people so that we can react. And then we test and it's iterative because depending on the feedback, you might cycle back into any sort of phase of the design thinking process. I like this. I like this a lot. And you know, when I first heard of design thinking, instructionally speaking, uh, it reminded me a lot of like the scientific method that we all learned in science class back in the day where you have a problem, you form your hypothesis, and then you go through all these steps to uh, to solve it. Now, I'm going to set up my next question uh, carefully, but I want to set it up because um, I want to make sure that I, I really understand and that my listeners understand. Um, you've talked about, you've talked through some of the process, let's say, of, of tackling issues, uh, looking for solutions, um, weighing them out, coming, coming up with that prototype, like you said. What happens when the, uh, let's, let's say we have a team of administrators. What happens when the dynamic on the team might be a little bit difficult to work through where people have different ideas or different styles and, and I know it's not all about what I think is right. It's about kind of what we all believe is, is best for whoever is uh, most affected here. But what do you do then? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's, you know, that's really the reality of where we start with a lot of teams. Um, and one of the things that we assess is, is there fertile ground for design thinking to be used as a process? Um, if not, there are tools that we can suggest and that we can work with a team. One of the tools, believe it or not, is improv. 
Um, and improv is a really important tool in design thinking because it helps to build sort of that creative collaborative culture and it helps to boost everyone's creative confidence, especially if they're not used to working through these different phases of design thinking. So a lot of people think improv is about being funny, right? Like, oh, you're going to make me get on a stage and tell jokes. And that's actually not at all what improv is about. Improv is really about learning to say yes and, and to build on other people's ideas. And the reason that we bring improv in is there are some tenets of improv that as a leadership team, if you can really embrace them, you'll be able to work more collaboratively together. So let me just give you a few of those. So in improv, um, a few tenets of improv are things like, you know, suspending judgment, right? Not jumping to analyze, but really staying present in that creative process and saving that evaluation for later. Um, Letting go of your agenda, realizing that to really collaborate, this can't be about each individual person's agenda in the room. So letting go of that, um, listening in order to receive. So really paying attention to what others say and then finding those moments where you can agree and support and build on each other's ideas. There's a really fun, easy exercise that you can do um, that takes literally maybe four minutes. And I would encourage you just to try this. You can even try this at home with your kids if you have kids, but like pair two people up and just tell them really quick, like I'm going to give you two minutes to plan a party, right? And one of you is going to be the person, you know, person A and person B. Person A, you're going to throw out ideas to plan a party. And person B, every time they throw out an idea, I want you to respond with, yeah, but, and give a reason why it's not a great idea. Okay. So really quick, you go two minutes. It's the most frustrating experience. You cannot plan a party in two minutes because every idea is being shot down. So then we'll have people say, okay, now switch partners, person A, you're going to throw out an idea and person B, every idea that they throw out, you're going to build on, you're going to take that idea and say, yeah, and, and you're going to make it bigger and better. The difference is night and day. And so it's really just learning how some of our behaviors, really ingrained behaviors actually shut down thinking and they make it unsafe for people to actually collaborate. And it sounds really silly, but a lot of this as adults, we actually have to unlearn. You know, I never would have thought of improv as a, not not a team building tool, but just as a way of, like you said, suspending judgment and um, really going deeper with the dynamics in terms of moving forward on solving problems and, and making your organization better. Uh, that's, that's pretty intriguing. All right, here's my last question. Okay. And um, for any loyal listener of the show, they know that every episode I wrap up by saying no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a leader of learning. And I mean that, you know, regardless of what role you're in, what title you have, uh, anyone can be a leader in this uh, amazing field that we're in called education. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, design thinking for leadership, uh, teacher leader versus administrator, or is there no difference whatsoever? Honestly, in, in embracing design thinking, there's no difference. Any one person can work to embrace the habits and mindsets of a designer. We all have problems that are within our control. Um, that we can, you know, use this approach to solve. Once you learn the process of design thinking, you can apply it to your personal life. So it is best played as a team sport when leaders are working together. There's power that comes from collaboration among a team. But 
anybody can embrace. There's like really quick things that you can take on and embrace to say, hey, I want to start spotting opportunities where other people see problems and suggestions and ways to do that. So we believe, um, I believe that you can design from where you are, you can lead from where you are, and design thinking is a really powerful tool to help you unlock all of the creative potential within you. Excellent. That's such a great way to end and and wrap up right there. Uh, I love that you sort of proved my point and I proved your point when I said that no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a leader of learning. Uh, So let's, if you could take us out with how do we get in touch with you? If someone wants to learn more about you and what you do or design thinking or using design thinking for leadership and solving problems in education, where do they go? Yeah, great question. You can find me at leadlikeadesigner.com. You can also find me on Twitter, just, you know, Alyssa Gallagher. Um, another great place to start is there's a weekly design thinking chat uh, with the hashtag DTK12 um, chat. So there's a lot of educators that meet weekly Wednesday evenings and are talking all things design thinking. Amazing. Well, I really appreciate you educating me on this design thinking process, uh, whether it relates to leadership or not, just in general, how to use it for problem solving. Um, Generally speaking, I think I work very well with my wife at home, but if ever I don't, I I suppose I could use that uh, to, to get through some of our struggles. But anyway, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, just really enlightening us. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Thanks to Alyssa for being the guest here on this episode. And, you know, for me, again, as a new administrator, but more importantly, someone who considers myself an educational leader, as do, I think, all of you who are listening, this process of using design thinking for leadership to make decisions that are in the best interest for any user, whether that be students or staff, And to use it to really drive the school improvement process is something that I think is up and coming as a way to really drive education and move education forward. Again, Alyssa's book, Design Thinking for School Leaders, Five Roles and Mindsets that Ignite Positive Change, can be found on Amazon, and there's a Kindle version, and also, of course, anywhere where books are sold. She's on Twitter at AM underscore Gallagher. And the website, again, to find out more information is leadlikeadesigner.com. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite way to listen. Also, if you like what you heard, please recommend this podcast to other educators, leaders, friends, or anyone you think would love listening and learning. And don't hesitate to leave a positive review on iTunes or whatever service you use to listen. For more information, head over to leaderoflearning.com. There you can also find the Leader of Learning blog, ways to connect on social media such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Voxer, sign up for our newsletter, and even how to purchase Leader of Learning merchandise. Thanks again, and remember, no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a Leader of Learning. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Lucky. 
free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.